did you ever get a, a moment where you sort of first kind of saw like, oh shit, there's the whole process that I've like, I've been doing it my way for so long, kind of getting like a bit of a like shock to like, oh, there's a different way to do this? Well, definitely because when I was full-time at Autofuss as their like in, as their in-house DP, I would have like a week to light something. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we gotta light this product, go, you know, we have the studio, we have all the lights that's just sitting down there, go and, and light it and make it look pretty. And then Jeff would come by and, uh, like at the end of the day, and he'd be like, eh, really? And I'd be like, oh. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding, just come back tomorrow, <laughs> and I'd try something different, you know? And, and uh, you know, and that was primarily just me and mm -hmm. the lights, and maybe I'd have one person to help me move things around, but usually it was just me until yeah. like insane hours of the night mm -hmm. trying to make something look good, and I learned a ton from doing it that way, but now that, uh, but that isn't the best way to learn how to, uh, how to efficiently run mm -hmm. a set yeah. or, or communicate with crew. That's probably the worst way yeah. to, <laughs> to learn. So that's been my biggest challenge is, is, uh, learning how to communicate efficiently with, mm -hmm. with crew of, of different sizes and, and yeah. scale. Um, do you still feel like you're, like, making I feel like sense I'm better, but a lot of times I just want to grab a light and move it myself because <laughs> I'm like, I know exactly what I want, and I could stand here for 20 or 30 seconds trying to describe what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. and the, the person that's actually operating the light still won't get it, mm -hmm. and I end up having to do it anyway. So, I mean, it's mainly like, that's mainly with product stuff where I know I want a specific yeah. reflection right at a certain part on the product, and for very like detailed lighting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, lighting is, I know it's sort of cheesy, but it really is sort of painting with light. And, and there's something that you you lose a little bit as an artist when someone else is, has their hand on the paintbrush, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. I, really, I really like that tactile aspect of, of lighting. And, and uh, a lot of times I'm, I'm uh, I, envy my still photographer friends because they have so much control mm. and they don't get criticized for touching lights. <laughs> for me, the crew's like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, uh, sorry, sorry, I, I won't touch that. Because like when I do touch a light, they think, oh shit, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a boundary there. But at the same time, I really like the physical side of, of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I like being exhausted at the end of the day, physically, not just mentally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I'm not, it's hard for me to just sit back in a comfy chair and watch everybody else like doing all this physical lifting. And like, maybe they're like envious of me because I'm sitting in the chair and I'm envious of them because I'm like, man, I need some <laughs> exercise. <laughs> I want to, I just want to go and grab that light and move it around. And, and, uh, I think like as the productions get larger and the crews get bigger, mm -hmm. you're not really supposed to cross that line. Yeah. But I don't think I'll ever not do that just because I enjoy it so much. Mm -hmm. it, it has nothing to do with the crew not doing their job or, yeah. or not being competent to mm -hmm. do it. It's just something that, that just feels good and, and uh I feel like I'm actually making a physical contribution rather than just barking a bunch of 
gibberish. Yeah. You know? Like, I didn't realize that you did so much sort of like taking on a bunch of different responsibilities in terms of just like all of the videos that you're creating. Yeah, I mean, I, it was mostly out of necessity um, growing up in Tucson, Arizona, where there's literally nothing to do, which mm -hmm. is pretty much the main reason I became a filmmaker, just out of boredom. You know, we, we all acted in pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. It's funny, a friend of mine that was in that group, uh, his dad was like Michael Bay's key grip for like ever. Like I would go over to his house and they'd have big posters for like Armageddon and uh, like he worked on the original Ghostbusters, just like amazing movies. Oh wow. And uh, my friend Mike would like help us out, but he was never really like that excited about helping us out. He'd be like, okay. yeah. But now it's funny because he's like, his dad has helped him get into the film industry and his first job was like a grip on Step Brothers, you know, with Will Ferrell. <laughs> and like, I just talked to him when I was down in LA last and I was like, hey man, what's going on? Wondering if you want to work on this video I'm shooting. He's like, oh, I'm working on the new Coen Brothers movie. I'm like, oh, so you don't want to work on whatever I'm shooting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got it. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> And he's like, but I'd love to hang out. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> like, no, I was like, can you get me on set? I want to like, I want to come check it out. He's like, well, I'm just on the rigging crew, so we're not really like around any of the action. It's not that exciting. Yeah. But anyway, I would. It's exciting to me. Yeah. Just to like, you know, be involved in a production of that caliber. It's a funny thing because like, um, and I don't. I feel like I've thought about it before, but not so not so much in the specific way where it's like. When you're in a role like like as as a DP, you don't get to work with a lot of other DPs. As a director, you don't really get to work with other directors. And so your how you learn what other people do is yeah. through everyone around you who's worked with yeah. that. that. Yeah, so yeah. there's a very weird kind of like like you're learning like in this roundabout sort of way through the experiences that other people have have had. You yeah. know, and and so learning like what does and doesn't work in that sort of second degree is really fascinating. Yeah, and if you aren't open to new ideas, you're just going to continue producing the same work over and over again. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to have outside influences. Like, for me, filmmaking is all about learning. I just want to learn as much as I can, and, and I want each project to be, to be better than the last. Mm -hmm. So I'm just always soaking in as much as I can from the people around me. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand why there aren't more people pushing the limits and and doing risky things on their own. Yeah. You know, because everyone's so safe in the commercial realm and the tech realm. I don't know. That stuff just gets boring. Yeah. And and do you, aside from sort of like the agency component of it, do you see a, a big difference between commercial and narrative work, or, or in terms of how you shoot, is it relatively similar? Um, I definitely see a difference in the Bay Area hmm. because I think there aren't a lot of people doing narrative commercial work. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're narrative to the extent that they are following a person to a coffee shop yeah. and then they pull yeah. out an iPad There's and they open there. their <laughs> new app and, you know, yeah. that's the story. But um, I don't know. There, uh, there aren't a lot of directors pushing the narrative storytelling commercial mm -hmm. in the Bay Area, which is really frustrating for me because I'm kind of at the mercy of yeah. directors and the script. Mm -hmm. um, my work can only be as good as, as theirs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and that's, I get excited about shooting anything with a really good story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a big thing that's, that's lacking in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. There are so many talented filmmakers here 
I don't know. I, I want to do something that nobody's seen before, or or tell a story that touches on something that people don't know about yet, or yeah. that they haven't seen. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, but it's it's tough. It's really tough to find. Well, and I think a lot of it is it's that sort of like. Like and, and there's a lot of sort of trepidation around that, and then also when you get into bigger and bigger companies, it's like the the chain of command. Right. It's like and the, all the cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, and so it's like the, I think a lot of it. I mean, it's for me, I feel like so much of it is just fear. It's like right. the fear to be an advocate for this thing that's kind of crazy, and and in most cases, it's probably not really that crazy. It's like just crazy enough, but the fear to take it five levels up and have somebody completely shut it down, and what does that mean for for you, you know? And and I think some of it is like the the tech industry and the startup industry still being relatively like young. They're afraid to take risks right now. Yeah, you know, and so it's like- Which is crazy. Which is crazy because the thing that gets noticed is the thing, especially in this industry, is the shit that takes risks. Yeah, absolutely. And so, but everyone's kind of afraid to take that risk or it's it's something that's been done before. Yeah. That they, yeah. It's also, (laughs) these tech companies don't understand that they are like providing most of them are providing such a useful uh, service for people. I would say 90% of their customers are not going to be like, "Whoa, that yeah. was a little crazy." Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do I'm not going to use Google as a search yeah, engine yeah. anymore. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I, I, right. Yeah. I used to rely on Lyft all the time, but their marketing has been really edgy lately, so I'm yeah. going to just not use it anymore. Like, <laughs> they would probably just pull out their phone and do a Google search on like whatever the risky thing was in the commercial. They're like, oh, "I got to find out more about this." Yeah. yeah. Sure. I don't know. (laughs) You were talking about um, just a a little bit about um, how did you get into this? Like, how did you find your way to becoming a DP? That is a good question. I've always been really fascinated with, I was really into magic, actually, as a kid. And then when I started watching movies, I was like, man, that's just, that's magic. How do they do that? And then I just had this curiosity to try and figure out how they did all of these special effects and and I think that's part of the reason why I've always been really interested in in like visual effects side of things too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I learned After Effects when I was in high school, so be- just because I was so obsessed with visual effects and and creating magic, like, mm-hmm. and uh, after high school, I had been working at different TV stations, doing everything from like nightly news graphics that like pop up next to the anchor's head uh, to display a visual representation of whatever the story is, whether it's like, yeah, you know, if it's like a drug-related thing, it would be like a marijuana leaf and like handcuffs on top of a leaf or something <laughs> like that. Just super cheesy, like really, really basic Photoshop stuff. And you'd be making but, those graphics? Yeah, and I made those graphics and that was probably the most depressed I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah, so... I stopped <laughs> with the nightly news graphics, and then I finally realized that I could maybe do this as a career. So I came out to San Francisco, uh, started studying film, and, uh, and then I was working at Cron for a couple years and okay. doing like promotional motion graphic, After Effects, Photoshop type stuff, and also shooting uh, things for them. and. Uh, I met this guy named Jeff Linnell who 
used to have a big post slash design firm in uh, New York. And uh, he was just doing a lot of uh, commercials for some of his old clients. And um, he had built this little tabletop motion control robot that he was shooting products with, like in his living room. And he was looking for an After Effects artist and I had kind of like, I got into robots and doing a lot of motion control work um, with Jeff and we, he had a little company that was basically just he and I in his living room called One Man Crime Wave. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were shooting a ton of products and tabletop stuff. And uh, that's kind of how I got into lighting. I just learned so much from, from doing that kind of photography. And uh, I think it's really, I'm really glad that I had that basic education to start me off in cinematography because it's kind of laid down the groundwork for everything since then. Mm-hmm. I, I had an alternate persona that was called Dangerous Dave, and it was like this stuntman that would do these stupid things like jump in front of trains, or like I would get inside of a box and have someone push me off a cliff, and then I like the camera would pan down or uh, until, and then they'd open the box and I'd like pop out like <laughs> like an idiot, and he'd be like, would <laughs> be like, don't try that at home, and like. Uh, it was all just After Effects stuff, obviously. Yeah. There's one where I would, li- would like, you know, I would shoot a plate of train tracks and myself like preparing to like jump in front of this train and then I would dive and then I would just leave the camera rolling till a train went by yeah. and then just like cut them together so it looked like I was inches away from the train just yeah. like mm. crushing me. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I came out, uh, I went to film school at the Academy do you guys know Adam Patch? Mm-hmm. He's a director. We were roommates. Okay. Um, and I actually know Adam from high school. Oh, wow. Uh, so he knows all about Dangerous Day. And uh, <laughs> we, <clears throat> when we moved out here for one of our class projects, we did another Dangerous Dave. Um, like brought him back? Yeah, we shot it on like 16 millimeter. We're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to shoot this one on film. It's going to be so big. I don't think any, like, I don't know. There were like 5,000 views on YouTube or something. Oh, man. Do you still have that one? Yeah, that one's still on YouTube. Adam's actually in that one. Is he? That's awesome. Yeah, I'll show you guys that later if you want to. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that that lasted for a few years. I still want to, like, go back and maybe do one that's, like, super big, like, production value. Yeah. Like, really over the top. Uh, just as one. I was going to start like having him start uh, losing like limbs or body parts yeah. slowly over time until he was just gone. Uh, one stunt after the next, but that never happens. His head rolls down a hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's how it started. And then um, it got really popular somehow, like among my circle huh. of friends. I made like t-shirts that said like Dangerous Dave and I had like a picture of my face on it. I wore like a fake mustache. Yeah. <laughs> And so that's sort of like how I got into visual effects, and that was sort of my avenue of like. Where were you showing magic. it at the time? Uh, that's a good question. I guess that Is it was like getting friends over. Or were you able, like? Uh, <laughs> maybe I just made them for myself. I don't even know. And I would just show friends. No, I think it was like right when YouTube was starting. It was to be like just up. starting. Yeah. Oh no no no! Actually, no. I had a website. Okay. I had a website. Dangerous Dave. <laughs> Uh, like dot does dot it or something like that. <laughs> and is it still up? <laughs> I don't think so. I haven't paid for the domain in a long time, so I don't think it's still up, fortunately. But uh, yeah, no, no. Now I remember. Yeah, I posted the 
I would just make QuickTimes and post them on the website, and like every oh, man, couple yeah. months, people would go. I mean, you can go on YouTube. There are a couple still up on YouTube. Oh man, awesome! You want to watch them? Awesome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just have a random kind of general question. Like, is there something like because you mentioned like. Uh, shadowing people and getting kind of just learning more is there yeah. something like is there a, like a particular kind of style or something that you've always kind of wanted to do that you haven't been able to do yet uh i feel like um i don't know uh, everybody's getting really excited about vr stuff yeah i've been hearing back and, and forth Oculus yeah. Rift. like some people hate it and some people are obsessed with it right now i think it's it's still in its infancy mm -hmm. to do anything that cool with at the moment. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff. I haven't really been impressed by anything yet. Yeah. Um, I like the possibilities of it, but I don't know where it's heading, and I don't know if it should be heading anywhere. <laughs> you know? It's really curious. I'm just I'm extremely fascinated by it because it's it sort of could be the next progression. Yeah. yeah. It could also just turn into a Segway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't the creator die on a Segway, like going off a cliff? That's, that's the story, yeah. That's the that's story. Crazy. I feel like the guy who created Oculus Rift is going to like walk down the sidewalk with it and like step in front of a bus or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, really morbid. But, but to him, he'll be hit by like a, a field of butterflies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had somebody talking to me about the idea of like, like, VR is is a nice idea until you get rid of the the like the glasses the glasses the goggles. Yeah. yeah and that just seems I mean it's like I don't know how any of this shit works you know it's like yeah. I don't know how realistic that is I think that's partially true I, I, that's cool but then basically everyone's gonna have to have like a a spherical room with like a crazy 360 projector and you're gonna have to have some electronic nodes like on your temple that are like accelerometers and like sense your movement and you're just standing in this room and you can spin 360 degrees but like that's gonna be so expensive that it's like I'd rather just wear the goggles yeah. even though they look stupid well, I'm immediately thinking if like if you need to take it out like you have this big bubble suit and then you're right. just wandering all these people wandering down the street actually that would be like you know the big <laughs> bubble things you roll down hills in yeah. like if you had one of those <laughs> and it just like protects weird... you from the real world and you're just like in your fake environment walking down the sidewalk in one of those inflatable so, bubbles instead of in the mission currently we have everybody riding motorized skateboards and unicycles we're gonna have people at like big bubbles they're gonna be like wearing google cars. glass inside of a giant inflatable bubble that's the future of san francisco there, and there right it is. There. we've just we've just figured it out yeah look into the future i think i'm gonna move yeah <laughs> now that i know what the possibilities are right it's not looking positive 